Hello everyone and welcome for this new episode of You Exchange. And today we'll talk about a topic that comes often in my mentorship sessions, which is about how to talk to users. So it's a question I get asked a lot, how to talk to users, how to make users feel at ease and decrease the bias as much as possible. So today I wanted to do this episode for people who might be interested in talking to users, but who for whatever reason cannot attend mentorship sessions or who have little to no guidance as to how to behave with users. And as well, this episode is intended for soon-to-be UX researchers or junior UX researchers who want to gain and practice some skills, but not only. It can be from people outside of UX researchers as product managers, designers, who want to do more UX research and f- who maybe don't have the time to dive into a extensive topics, it's extensive resources on this topic, such as psychological uh, books or articles or all of that. Since it's something that I'm doing since approximately 10 years talking to users, it's also, you will see throughout the episode, something that comes with experience. So although I will tell you some techniques, some guidance as to how to maximize your sessions with users, ultimately, please do not beat yourself up. It's something that will come with experience. And even though you know how to do things, it's only through practice that you will improve. It's ultimately, I think it's like a bit of an art in the end. There is some, yeah, some guidance and some theory behind that, but ultimately you will improve like with any practice in the end. Before I move forward, I want to tell you that this episode is raw, so I I cannot edit all the episodes, and I'm sorry in advance for any mistake or any, any silences that I'm going to make, but I cannot... Uh, edit this episode and at the same time I think it helps me to be more lively let's say during the episode and to be more authentic but if you do not feel that way please again head to ux-change.com I repeat it's ux-change.com and tell me if you would like me to do otherwise I am super happy to adapt depending on your feedback okay let's begin so to begin before Diving into the topic extensively, I will talk about the several points that we will cover. So first of all, I will talk about how to build rapport with your participants, then how to put the participant at ease, the fact that it can begin before an interview, the the aspect of building rapport. Then I will talk about the natural flow of an interview. Although this topic, I will cover it more extensively in an upcoming episode. Then I will speak about how to be more present in the moment when you're conducting an interview, which helps ultimately your participant to feel more at ease. And I will finish with some do's and don'ts of speaking with participants. So without further ado, let's begin with the report. How can you ultimately build rapport with your participants? First, let's agree on a definition of what is a report. So I do not have a clear definition, but report for me, it's kind of a, the relationship you have with your participant. And 
for me, it's the perfect in-between um, being a perfect stranger and being a friend. It's the in-between. It's maybe the relationship you start to have with someone when you're stuck in an elevator. I mean, stuck. When you are both using it and you're waiting to go out, but it's kind of something you try to build. It's this idea of beginning from the unknown and starting to know the, the person and feeling a bit more at ease. Or not, or not, depending on on the conversation, depending on some non, non-verbal aspects, and we will cover all of that. So the idea, when you speak with participants, the idea is to try to build a rapport as much as possible. And so, yes, it's all about trying to make the participant not feel as a total stranger. And so this can begin even before the study, even before the, let's say, the physical study, the one-to-one user interview, by communicating well the study details, for instance, um, by working on the communication that you have with your participant to plan the study. So, for instance, you collaborate with your XR ops who will recruit your participants, or maybe it can even be you who recruit the participant. But ultimately, if you want them to participate, you will have to talk to them at least by email or any other channel. It might be a phone call, it might be anything, but you will have a first contact with your participant. And a related idea is that this will also help, by working on that, you will also help to improve, let's say, Maybe not necessarily improve, but at least communicate the right image of your company or of your institution or the place you're working for, basically. Because how you will communicate with your participants should reflect the value and the vision and the image that your company or your institution wants to provide. So if your company, imagine, is manufacturing some products and in the marketing, they speak a certain way to their customers, you will have more or less to adopt the same principles because ultimately you will be, let's say, the first contact point between your customer and the company. So you have to reflect these values and you have to match them so that it's not completely dissonant in your participant's mind. So this is the first thing that will help. So improving on the communication even before the interview. And at the same time, your customer will not feel as you are a total stranger, will not feel as the company is a total stranger. And I can tell you from my experience as well, it will greatly reduce their fear of talking to, um, let's say, the company. In, In this case, you are representing the company. And not necessarily fear, but maybe intimidation or maybe stress or maybe sometimes it's even admiration but in a way that they kind of freeze when they interact with you or at at the very minimum they are biased because they want to please you or because they feel they are very loyal and so this might bias their answer and so you want to minimize that as much as possible so In order to do that, you will have, again, to work on this communication aspect before um, conducting the interview with the participant. And so how can you do that? Basically, you can, practically speaking, you can implement a template for your emails or for all your written communication channels. It can also be by phone. 
Why implementing a template? Because you will have to do this often. You will have to reproduce this with several participants. Of course, the goal here is not to sound mechanical or to sound like a robot or a machine, but at least you will reproduce this communication you want to provide to your participants the same way to everyone. And then if there is a problem, let's say, to configure a slot for the interview, then you can answer something more personal with a more personal touch, always being in the realm of the image you want to communicate from your company, okay? But this is the idea. So always remain friendly, always remain accommodating for the participant. And in the template, if there are people who are interested, please contact me through the website I mentioned at the beginning, but I can provide you with a framework or a template to communicate with your participants beforehand. But basically, you would like to include things uh, such as the goal of the study, what data you will um, gather, why they are participating. How, by that, I mean what value they will provide to the company. What are you expecting from them uh, in terms of in terms of knowledge you want to acquire? Also, some details regarding the practicalities. So, for instance, how long is the study going to last? Um, if they are um, required to sign any papers and so on, that they can leave at any time, that there is absolutely no right or wrong answers, that there is absolutely no judgment, that this study is confidential, and so on and so on. This will really reassure them. And of course, in any case, this kind of topics, the last ones I mentioned, such as no judgment, no right or wrong answers, no communication of their information, all of that is kind of legal, let's say, in general. You, you cannot share any data about your participants. And in general, they know that, but sometimes they don't. So it will reassure them. Also saying, for instance, you are not a designer of the app so that they can provide any raw feedback and any kind of feedback will ultimately help improve the product. So this is everything that happens before the interview. And again, you can do that with one message or two or an email or a phone call or whatever, but also answer any kind of questions they might have, reassure them as much as possible. Also, before I, I go on with really the interview in itself, please think about the incentive and mention to your participants about the incentive. So I will not dive into details, but recently I took part in a project with food truck owners and it was a personal project and I conducted a small experiment being what happens if I mention to them that they will be compensated versus they will not be compensated. So practicalities, it was a 15 minutes call and I told them it was a personal project. And of course, I had the intention to compensate everyone, but I wanted to know what happened. And some of them were told at the end of the interview and some of them were told at the beginning. And of course, this is something you would say, yeah, of course, people's answers will be different depending on if they are incentivized or not. Well, this is something that I wanted to try as a researcher that I wanted to, to test. And this is true. When people know they will be incentivized, things change radically. So, and this is perfectly understandable. They are giving us time. So whether they are customers or B2B, 
you have to mention how they will be incentivized or if you cannot, you have to mention that they will not be incentivized so that they do not have false expectations. But not, also, not only that, sorry, also the fact that they know by participating that this is not paid and so you will have genuine interest in your study, basically. Or if they are paid, yeah, sure, they are paid, but they will provide something in exchange. So you will have also genuine interest. But the idea is to match the expectations with their reality. So mention how it's going to be with the incentive process. Now let's dive into the aspect of the interview in itself, how to put the participant at ease. So basically, it will really help if you do the things that I mentioned before about building rapport, but before the study itself. And then when you begin the interview, the idea is really to try to put a participant at ease from the beginning. So I will dive into this later, but the interview in itself will not happen, will not, will not be as, let's say, difficult or as deep from a participant perspective or as challenging, depending on the stage of the interview, depending on if you are at the beginning, at the middle, or at the end. So let's begin with, I will not say the beginning, I will say practicalities, the setting up, everything that happens before the interview in itself. So again, you will repeat everything that you had said before the interview, um, and you will put the participant at ease as, as much as possible. So for instance, a welcoming the participant, of course, thanking them for their time, for their participation, repeating is super important, repeating that they can leave the study at any time, that they are not judged for their answers, that their data is kept private, that if, that if they have any question, they can, they can ask you and you will answer, um, and that their participation is really valuable. Also mention that you are not the designer so that they can provide you raw feedback. And I will dive into this later, but mention you're not the CEO or you're not any executive who has power regarding the development of the product. Yeah, you have some impact, of course, but they cannot ask for everything. It's important for them to know your role in the company. And as such, basically, usually they know about this before because as I mentioned, if you apply the steps I did, I said before, you would have no issue with that. But again, it harms no one to introduce yourself again. What are you doing in the company? What is your role? Uh, what is the expectations regarding this project more or less without diving too much into detail? But basically you can say, you are here today because we're interested in your habits regarding money management, for instance, or any other topic without diving into detail. But it helps for them to imagine how their participation will be valuable. Ask them, of course, to uh, sign the NDA before beginning the interview. Anything that you will collect as data, even if it's like random information about them, how their day is going and so on, it is more professional to ask them to sign an NDA before and to sign any confidentiality agreement and it will put them at ease regarding what they can share. So there is this aspect, first of all, to, to re really remind them of the practicality, saying to them how long the study is going to last and so on, the type of tasks they will be asked to perform, such as 
For instance, we will begin with some easy questions, then we will dive into some topic, and then I will ask you to use some prototype, and then we will wrap up and you will be able to ask me any question at any time, for instance. So it will really help the participant to have expectations regarding how it's going to be, how, how the interview process is going to be. So this is the first thing. Then regarding the progress and the, of the interview, as I was saying, really no interview will, uh, how can I say, the steps of the interview will not happen the same way, will not be as deep and will not require as much mental workload from your participant, depending on if you're at the beginning, the middle or the end. You can check on the internet and I can also mention it in the, in the, um, notes of the podcast, you have some curves that you can find just to illustrate about the the progress of the interview. And, and really, at the beginning, you set the stage. It's really easy questions. It should not be complex for your participant. And then you will dive into some deep details regarding really the, the topic in itself that you want to study. And then in the end, it will be easy again to wrap up. So, I will not dive into detail again. We will have an episode about that. But basically, you begin the interview with some questions that are not related to your product or which are not related directly with the topic at hand. Begin with centering your interview on your participant. Why? Because no one else better than... Sorry, no one else knows your participant better than themselves. They will know how to answer these questions, such as... Well, tell me a bit about yourself. Who are you? How old are you? What is the uh, configuration of your family? Where do you work? Uh, what do you like to do uh, on your day-to-day? So it doesn't have to be related to um, the interview in itself. Because in the end, you want to build reports and it will serve multiple, really, really multiple benefits, really. Um... I, I tried with and without, and the differences are astonishing, really. So, first of all, the participant will feel at ease because they will share things about themselves. Second of all, it allows you to understand more or less the way of communicating from your participant. So, imagine you ask your participant, tell me a bit more about yourself, tell me a bit about yourself, sorry, and the answer, well, I'm called John Doe, and I am 42 and I work at XYZ company. And that's it. They only share this. So, or, or, or for instance, you ask them, how's your day going? How's your week going? And so on. And, and the answer, fine. So then you, you know, it, it's not a problem for the interview, but you know more or less how the rest of the interview is going to more or less be in terms of type of answers from your participant you know that this kind of participant they might they might need to to have some follow-ups to help to dive to dive deeper on the topics you want to dive in okay and you can have the opposite you can have some participants who ramble a lot and who go really side um, who go off track who go off track and you will have to recenter them so this will help you already to size them also Pay really close attention to their behavior, to their facial expression from the beginning. It will help you to familiarize yourself with who you have in front of you and how you should adapt 
your, let's say, interpersonal skills. So this is the first step. And then you will dive deeper into the topics. I will cover this into a, in, a, in a subsequent episode. And then you will wrap up. And when you wrap up, of course, uh, try to summarize everything from your participant. Uh, thank them for their participation. Mention again about the incentives. By the way, I didn't mention, but at the beginning, before signing the NDA, also remind them of the incentive, of course. Everything you say in the email before the interview, remind it at the beginning of the interview. So yeah, thank them for their participation. And then, yeah, tell them that if they are interested in participating in further studies, you can, um, you can uh, contact them again. So this is for, let's say, setting up the stage, putting the participant at ease. Now I will talk about something that will also help for them to feel more at ease during the interview, or at least for the discussion between you and your participant to be maximized so that the potential the potential return on investment, let's say, from this time is maximized. So there are several topics in this one. There is a topic of how can you be present in the moment, and then there is a topic of alternative methodologies to gather insights from your participants. Let's do the first one. So how can you be more present in the moment? Well, first of all, I will advise you, and this is what I say to every one of my mentees, and a lot of them tell me, well, we have a transcription tool. Uh, no need to have a note taker. And, and I tell them, ev um, I always tell them, you need a note taker. If you cannot afford one in terms of time, in terms of resources, be it use transcription tools, but also learn to take a bit of notes on your side because it will, it will serve multiple purposes. So having a note taker, will ensure that you can that you can focus entirely on your participant because we can say whatever we want in my opinion if you have a hundred percent attention span let's say you can measure it a hundred percent if you try to write 50 percent of the time you will have only 50 percent of your attention remaining for your participant this is this is non-negotiable the attention will be divided and even if you have magical skills to be able to write while you're looking at your participant or to type or whatever, still, you will be distracted. And if you have no other way of doing it, yeah, sure, this is better than nothing. But the best for me is really to have a note taker. The note taker will be able to, well, take notes, of course, but synthetically and so that you don't have to dive into a full transcript again and synthesize everything. You will have the impression really to do double of the work. So really, if you can afford it, bring a note taker. And you can maximize the potential of having a note taker if you bring stakeholders. Not necessarily another UX researcher, although this is great, of course, but take advantage to bring a product manager, a designer, a data analyst, so that they can see from the ground up what is the data your participant is communicating so that they can empathize better. So it's really using one, one thing and you have multiple returns on, on investment. You are more focused, for, first of all. Your participant feels you are more present in the interview. 
so it it feels more like a like a discussion and less like a survey let's say or a questionnaire and third your um stakeholders will empathize better and sorry fourth you will be able to synthesize better your data better than if you have only a transcript or if you take notes uh, by yourself only so really it has so so many benefits and i can do another podcast on the topic how to take notes but in a nutshell even if you have a transcript or a transcription tool automatically and so on now it's true we have some ai tools that are really awesome that are able to divide into bullet points but even the creators of this ai tools mentioned do not rely on this fully because for now it's like experimental and so on although this is great it is by no means in my opinion it it does not equal a human being in terms of abstraction capabilities let's say so this is the thing really try to have a note taker as much as possible and because the note taker will be able to to synthesize the data that that she, he or she is hearing into bullet points and 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 really taking notes only on what is necessary and so at the end of the interview to be honest i did it multiple times you almost don't have to come back into the transcript almost you have your themes your topics and you go into the transcript only if you need a quote basically and this accelerates by twice or three times your output and your speed so yeah really really i advise on doing it if you cannot if you are the only one researcher i will advise for you to be lean and concise regarding your script to have all your questions in mind to have it ready and that's why in general i advise people not to have more than 3 or 4 research questions and for each maximum of 2 user session questions let's say so imagine you have a research question which is uh, the objective is to understand how um i don't know uh, teenagers manage their expenses uh, you you already heard in some previous episodes that i managed i i talk about this topic a lot because this is something i'm really interested in so imagine this is your research question well maybe you have this research question and you have you add two you you have two questions user session questions that you will ask your participant to gather data to answer this research question so you have the how you can ask them tell me about a typical month when you manage your expenses first question and then you can ask a follow up question what is what are the main pain points of of a uh, managing your expenses so you have two questions and that's it and be lean really select your questions why because you cannot when you are conducting a user session be always looking at your script it's not possible so you can of course it's good to have it on the side just in case but you cannot be okay i look at my script then i ask this question and then i take note and then i look at my participant no it's not feasible it's not feasible really so by being lean you will be able to um be more present in the moment and now the second aspect that i wanted to talk about before it's about the tools that allow you in the end to basically conduct user sessions remotely so okay this is a really sensitive topic because i know some companies they only use this kind of tools and 
I have nothing against these tools, first of all. And second of all, the opposite is also true. I am not sponsored by them and I am not a fierce defensor of these tools. Because again, when you're a UX researcher, you understand that all of these tools, they, they, they are here to serve a purpose. So it's only a tool. It's here to, yeah, basically serve an objective. So depending on your objective, you will use them or not. So if you, if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm thinking user testing platform. So this is a user testing platform called with the same name, user testing. You have also Maze, user zoom. So user zoom is the same kind of platform, which, which have been acquired, has been, sorry, acquired recently by user testing. And you have a lot of others. I, I know these ones, this, these are the ones I use, but there are many others. Um, and so basically these platforms, they allow you to do this kind of unmoderated interviews. And at first, when I discovered this, I found this super funny. Um, because for me, in my opinion, doing an interview is all about the report, is all about being human, is all about following up to what your participant is saying. And the main, main drawback of this these tools is that you cannot follow up. So imagine it's a it, it's kind of an open-ended questionnaire and participants record themselves to answer your questions. It's basically that. So imagine you ask them, tell me about a typical day to manage your expenses, your participant will answer. And if there is something you want your participant to cover and your participant didn't, you cannot follow up. You cannot say, oh, tell me more about that or uh, what makes you do this this way? You cannot. So for me, it's defeat, it defeats the purpose. So it's you, you lose more than 50% of the benefits of doing an interview, in my opinion. First of all, for this reason, because a lot of the data is gathered by following up. I was talking at the beginning about participants who only answer, yeah, this is nice. I like this button color. I like this UI. Or, oh, this is frustrating you will find a lot of participants answering only this. You need to ask them why this is frustrating or how come it's difficult for you to manage your expenses. Th this kind of follow-up questions. This is only this way. If you come to your designer, if you go to the, your designer saying, well, your UI is frustrating, your designer will ask you why. Why? I need to know what is frustrating so that I can change my design, right? And so if you rely only on these platforms every day to do every kind of research, you cannot ultimately, um, well, you will be able, depending on how you phrase your questions, but in my opinion, you are, you are severely handicapped if you use only that. That's my point. So if you need to do deep exploratory research, maybe it's not the best tool. For a second reason as well is that this whole episode is about building rapport. It's about uh, putting the participants into context, putting the participants at ease. What is the big difference with these tools? Well, they are talking to a machine. They are talking to a computer. They're not talking to a human. And, and even if they are talking to a computer, well, there is nothing human about that, to be honest. It, it, it's only a question displayed on the screen, and that's it. And they record themselves. So... Yeah, for sure, they're incentivized and maybe this is what helps to mitigate a bit the, the negative points. But to be honest, I wouldn't 
use only that and basically for this reason. Okay, and so this is approximately what I wanted to tell you about how to talk to users during interviews by building rapport, putting the participant at ease at the beginning, also how to talk with them before the interview even begins. And then I talked about the natural flow of an interview and how to be more present in the moment. In the next episode, I will basically sum all of this in a list of do's and don'ts for interviews or user sessions with your participants. What to do to maximize the potential of the interview and what not to do. And again, I really thank you for listening this episode and the rest of the podcasts. If you stumbled across this episode, I encourage you to go over the other episodes and rate me on on the platform you're using, you're listening this podcast on. Really, It will really help me to gain more visibility. And again, if you have any question, misunderstanding really something, if you want to share your perspective on the topics I, I, am, I am talking about in this podcast, please contact me through my website on ux-change.com. There is a form there and you can contact me for any topic. It can be for, again, the questions or because you want to appear in the podcast, you want me to interview you, or you want to share the auditors some, some new methodology, you discovered anything, anything. It could be super useful. And so, again, thank you for listening and see you in the next episode. Bye-bye.